Let's jump into week three of our series called Build Your Church. You know, for 21 years of my life, I, for the most part, got to do whatever I wanted. Um, now, of course, I had parents, and so that was, that was a bit moderated there, but I remember getting out of my parents' home. I moved from Texas to Louisiana. Come on, the paradise of the U.S., all right? And, uh, and I came here, and I was, I was a bachelor. Like, I was on my own. I could do what I want, eat what I want, stay up as late as I want. I mean, it was just like living the dream. Whatever I wanted to do, I did it. If, if you're here and you're single and you don't have kids or anything, you kind of know maybe a little bit of what that's like. If you're not single, you don't know what that's like. And so if, if, you're, if you've got kids, you definitely don't know what that's like. But I mean, it's just kind of like my dreams, my wants, my desires, my food. I mean, all of that stuff was, was mine. And on April 12th, 2003, that changed. It was the day that I officially said to Lindsay Elizabeth Talley, I do. And that day I said I do, not only was it a wedding, it was also a funeral. Because, for those that in here know, it went from what I want to what we want. It went from what I need to what we need. It went from my house to her house. Our, her house. What you doing? <laughs> I mean, if you kind of look at it at houses, I mean, it kind of is. I was going with ours, but that's okay. There's probably some truth to that, yeah. My things became her things, her things stayed her things. Yeah, y'all know how that works. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My food <laughs> became her food. And if anybody's in here, you know when they say, can I have some of that, they meant they can have all of that. So, <laughs> but it went from me to we. When you were apart from Christ, living life for whatever you pleased, it was all about your desires and your wants and your dreams and your job and your stuff. But on whatever day you said, Jesus, I am no longer the Lord of my life, it went from me to we. You, the, the day you got saved was your salvation and also your funeral because it was no longer about you. The last two weeks I've been talking about church hurt. I've been talking about, last week I talked about offenses because one of the things that God does is when we get saved, we not only get into right relationship with him, and now we have an, a heavenly father, and, and now we have heaven as our home, and have all of these benefits of having this relationship with this incredible, incredible person, but he also connects us to his people. And so it's no longer about me, it's now about us, and he says, hey, you were isolated and alone, and now you are adopted into the family. You're a part of the family. So, so when you said yes to Jesus, you didn't realize, much like maybe some of you when you got married, you didn't realize you married the whole family. Any of y'all realize, like, you were like, I loved her, but not her and her and him and him and him and her. And I didn't know I got the brother and the uncle and the crazy aunt. Not, how many of you know you get all of them? 
Hey, by the way, when you say yes to Jesus, you get all of his crazy family members as well. Look around, they're sitting by you maybe, all right. And so in Matthew chapter 16, this is our, our kind of theme verse for this series, I want you to see something, that in Matthew chapter 16, when he tells Peter, now I say to you that you are Peter, and upon this rock, he says, I will build my church. That sounds a bit possessive, doesn't it? I'm going to build my church. Whose church is this? God's church, yeah. It's not my church, it's his church, and he asked me and asked us to partner with him in building his church. But there is no such thing as solo Christians. There is no such thing as a DIY Christian, do-it-yourself Christian. Because when you became a Christian, you also got a family. And when you got that family, notice the prayer of the Lord's, Lord, the Lord's prayer doesn't say, my father who art in heaven. It says, our father who art in heaven. So the reason I spent two weeks talking about people is because when God is building his church, he's inviting you into his family. And not only do you have to deal with God, you have to also deal with his people. And so God is building his church. And so people will ask me all the time, well, do I have to go to church to be a Christian? And the answer is no. You do not have to go to church to be a Christian. So watch this. If you're taking some notes, if you got some notes, come on, if you got some notes, wave them at me. You got them? You got them? All right, come on, let's take some notes here. I want you to write this down. Here we go. Big thought here is that you don't have to be a part of a local church to be a Christian, but you do in order to be a growing Christian. And, and I think if there's anything in here you would probably be honest to say is that you don't want to just have um, hellfire insurance and get, into, and get into heaven. Come on, how many know you want to be a growing Christian full of love, peace, joy, hope? Come on, you want to grow in the spirit of God? You want to fulfill all that he has on your life? Come on, anybody want to not just try to survive, but you want to thrive in this world? You want to thrive in your relationship with God? Hey, that happens in the context of God's local church. What, watch this, what weights are to your muscles, relationships are to your spiritual growth. What weights are to your muscles, you go work out at all to build those muscles, relationships, spiritual family, that is to your spiritual growth. So if you want to spiritually grow more, then you need relationships. You desperately need them, I need them. You, can't, you can live alone, but you can't thrive alone. It's impossible. You can live alone, it's perfectly fine. People do it all the time, but you cannot thrive alone. And because what ends up happening is isolation breeds self-deception. Y'all ever seen people that are just isolated from everybody and you're just like, that person's a little weird um, because nobody tells them anything other than what they tell themselves? Y'all know some people like that? And they, just, they just get a little weird sometimes because they're just, they're just not around some people that can really help them um, know how to have proper people skills, help them to know, you know, we, we have three boys and I'm constantly training my boys, specifically my youngest son. You know, he, he, he looked at his mother the other day and he told, he told Lindsay, can I tell you the truth? And she was like, yeah, we always say the truth. I mean, let's say the truth. He says, he says, you're old. Wow. 
So then we had to explain to him, first off, there are certain things that maybe are true that you don't have to say. Just don't need to say it, okay? So, you know, when I hear people go, well, it's just the truth. Well, you don't have to be mean, okay? And some things just because they're true don't need to be said. Okay, so why am I saying all that is because we need to be in relationships that are truth-telling, for sure, and it, and it does help us grow, but, but we need to be around some people that, are, that will help us there. So I want to show you Romans chapter 12, verse 5. The Apostle Paul is talking about the church, and he says this. Everybody, everybody help me as he says this. He says, Romans 12. Can we put that? Is that on the screen? Here. Yep. Nope. Okay. I'll read it. Romans 12, 5 says, since we, everybody say we, we. not me, but we are all one body in Christ. It says, we belong, to each other. we belong to each other. We belong to each other. And each of us needs, and each of us needs all the others. We belong to each other, and also we need each other. We belong to each other, and we need each other. Watch this, watch this though. Sundays are amazing. I absolutely, this is one of my favorite days of the week. I absolutely love Sundays. There's nothing like gathering together with God's people, worshiping together, praying for one another, um, encouraging one another, crying together, laughing together, encountering God's presence together. There's nothing like being in a place and experiencing that together. But I'm, I'm, I just wanna say this, this is huge here. We need more than the Bible in order to, to, to grow, we need other believers as well. We need more than just the Bible. It's just me and Jesus and the Bible. No, 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 you'll get weird if that's the case, okay? You, you need other believers as well that, that are around you because the way that God grows us, the way that God encourages us, the way that God shapes us, the way that God helps us is through other people. Let me, let me prove it to you. This is so huge for us. You probably could not name the last 10 sermons I've preached. Back up, I probably could not name the last 10 sermons I've preached, and I preached them. But if I asked you, name the top five people who have impacted your life, you could rattle them off probably like this. You know why? Watch this, because information never changes your life, relationships do. Information has never changed someone's life, relationships do. God puts us in relationships that change our lives. And so he's, this verse is telling us we belong to each other. Each of us needs all of the others. Look at your neighbor. Tell him, you need me. Come on, tell him, you need me. Come on, now, now look at the person you didn't want to say that to and tell them, I need you. Some of you are like, I ain't looking at them. Yeah, that's why you need them. That's why you need them. And, and now, listen, I, I absolutely am grateful in the day and age that we're in with the technology that we have. I'm so grateful for the fact that last year we had three or four months where, where we could not gather in person, and I was incredibly grateful for that. We could continue to have a service and continue to hear the word of God. And, and, uh, and man, I, I Zoom. I, this past week, I Zoomed a pastor in Paris and got to encourage him. 
and he encouraged me. I mean, I'm just so grateful for technology and how that works. Uh, last year, I filmed a message, and it, and it was shown in South Africa. Um, I mean, just really cool things of what technology does. The fact right now we have online, and people can watch this service right now for those that are at home that are sick, those that are at home that can't make it to church, or you're on vacation that keeps you connected and all that stuff. I absolutely love technology, so I, I wanted to say all that. But I also want to say there's some things that technology can never do. There's some things that technology can never replace. Because we, we need to be in environments. We've got to be around. Listen, God has not called us to watch church. How many know he's called us to engage in church, to serve in church, to be a part of church, to help with church, to, to uh, be the church? And, and you don't do that by watching only. You got you to get engaged. So I, I want to challenge everybody because here's the key. There are people who are in this room that are in this service that aren't doing that just as much as there are people watching online that are not doing that. Okay, so God has called us as his church to be a part of his church. You can, you can live alone, but you can't, you can't thrive alone. Now, growing up in my day and age, there was a, a show, a sitcom that was very, very famous. It's probably one of the top leading sitcoms in coming into the 80s and 90s. How many of y'all remember Cheers? Y'all remember Cheers? Now, Cheers had a theme song. Y'all remember Cheers theme song? Cheers theme song is more about the church than you even realize. Watch, I'm gonna read it to you. So Cheers theme song says this, making your way in the world today. Okay, no, I'm not gonna do that, okay. Takes everything you've got. All right. Taking a break from all your worries sure would help a lot. How many of you agree with that one? Let's keep reading. Wouldn't you like to get away? Yes, I would. Sometimes you want to go. <laughs> That's terrible. Okay, all right. I'll give you another shot in just a minute. All right. And they're always glad you came. You want to be where you can see our troubles? You want to go where? Dun, 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 dun. Okay. You know what's sad? This is about a bar, but this should be the church. This should be the church. How many believe this is our church? This might be the new theme song to our Savior's church. I don't know how that'll go over, but uh, hey, we're gonna redeem it, okay? Everybody wants to know, everybody wants to go to a place where everybody knows your name. Everybody wants to go to a place where their troubles are the same. Everybody wants to be able to get away. Yes, sign me up. And, and so Jesus says, you know how that happens? I'm going to build my church and the church will be this place for this to happen. Everybody wants to be known and needed, everybody. Everybody. In order for that to happen, though, in order for us to have relationships that are actually great relationships, you need to understand something. And that is that all of us have kind of four aspects of our life. And, and, and that's where I want to go today. I want to talk about the four aspects of you and my life. If you were, if you were to think of a, of a, of a four square, four squares 
that make up our life. And uh, I'll, I'll walk us through these. Number one is what I call the mask. This is the mask. This is the area of your life that you know, but I don't know. These are the things that you know about you, but I don't know about you. And if we're gonna have a, a church that is relationally strong, we're gonna have a church that really talks about spiritual family. If we're gonna have a church where everybody knows your name, where, where everybody can, can come together and be encouraged and equipped, then we've got to unpack these four aspects of our life. The mask, you know, but I don't know. There are things about you that I don't know, which by the way, there are things about me you don't know. And it ain't none of your business. <laughs> but there are some things and some people in here that are really struggling through some really big stuff, but you come to church and act like you don't. This is why I call it the mask. You know it but nobody else knows it. You know that you've been struggling with depression, but nobody else knows it. You know that you're in financial debt over your head and you don't know how you're gonna pay the bills, but nobody else does. You know that your marriage is just one argument away from it being over, but nobody else does. You know it, but nobody else knows it. That is a very dangerous place to be, which by the way, social media plays into this. Here's what I believe social media is oftentimes on the bad side of it. It is show your best and hide the rest. Because we can portray ourselves to be whatever we want to be. We put up our family photos. We don't show the family photos where everybody was like, ah! Everybody's like, and everybody's like, oh, your kids are so good. And you're like, yes, they are. Matthew 23, though, speaks to this because I believe there are some, there are a good bit of mask-only Christians that we, we only let people know what we want them to know. And there's a healthy part of that, and we'll get into that in just a minute. But if there are some real dangerous areas of our heart and of our life, Jesus actually addressed this because the religious leaders were very much like this because they would parade themselves around everybody as if they had it all together and yet Jesus knew their hearts. Jesus knew what they were struggling through and Jesus called it out. Jesus said it this way. Now this is a hard verse. I'm just gonna let you know it's a hard verse but Matthew 23, he says this, hypocrites for you are like whitewashed tombs, beautiful on the outside but filled on the inside with dead people's bones and all sorts of impurity. And then he goes on and he says, outwardly you look like righteous people, but inwardly your hearts are filled with hypocrisy and with lawlessness. And man, if, if we're really honest, some of you, you feel this because on the outside you look alive, but on the inside you feel so dead. You feel so disconnected. You feel so distraught. You feel like no one knows or no one cares or you, whatever it is. And, and, and I'll, I'll say this because you're like, well, Pastor Josh, what do you mean? You want me just to go out and just tell everybody what's going on? No, 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 I am not, okay? What I am saying though is this, you don't have to tell everyone, but you better tell someone. You better tell someone because at the end of the day, we are only as sick as our secrets. And the greatest thing that the enemy would love to do 
is to keep that secret pornography addiction in that dark place. Because the only thing that grows in the dark is shame and mold. But when it gets exposed to the light of the gospel of truth, that you are loved, that you are forgiven, that you are healed, that you are more than a conqueror, that this thing won't control you. Come on, how many know when that thing gets exposed to the love of Christ, to the grace of Christ, to the forgiveness of Christ, to the help of brothers, how many know you don't stay in darkness anymore? Now you come into the freedom of the light that Christ has for us. So we just... You know, and, and I, agree, I, I get it. The reason I spent the last two weeks talking about this was because of this exact thing. So I want to ask this question. Why do we struggle with being honest about our struggles? Why do we struggle about being honest about our struggles? I think there's a couple reasons why we struggle with that. First one is we're hurt. This is literally why I spent the first two weeks talking about this because I knew we were coming into this. And, and if I get up here and start talking about spiritual family and I get up in here and start talking about you getting connected to people and I get up here and start talking about, and you have hurt, you're gonna be like, heck no, that ain't happening. I've tried that, I've got burnt by that, I ain't doing that again. I, I get it, I get it. I've been there myself, I know what that's like. Relationships are messy. How many of you agree? Relationships are messy. Even the best of ones are messy. They're extremely messy. And that's, that's why we've talked about that. I've tried being honest, but someone went and told somebody else. Uh, they used that against me. They did this against me. But as I said in week one and week two, don't give up on all people because of some people. Don't give up on all people because of some people. Because the enemy knows just as much as people can bring the hurt, God knows that people can bring the healing. So you go, oh man, I don't want to do that. I'm hurt. I know, I get it. I've been hurt. But that's oftentimes why we don't pull the mask back because I'm scared that if I pull it back, I'm going to get hurt again. Second reason why I think we struggle with being honest is we're afraid. We're afraid. And all of us in here, and that, that Cheers theme song speaks to a little bit of that where we can go to a place where everybody kind of deals with the same things that we deal with. And so we ask ourselves this question, well, what will people think if I am really honest? What will people think of me if I really do pull back the mask and they see a part of me that they don't know? Will they, will they reject me? Will they hurt me? Uh, what about if they find out about my past? And then we believe the lie. Here's the lie that we all believe, and we've all believed it. I'm the only one struggling with this. How many of you have believed that lie before? How many of you have got into a life group in this place, you've gotten to a life group and somebody shared something and you go, you too? No. So we're afraid. And number three, this is the big one, we're proud. We have believed the lie that we don't need people and if we do need people, it's a sign of weakness. And as I said earlier, there is no such thing as a DIY Christian does not exist. All of us, all of us are the byproduct of people who have invested into our life. And the moment we think we're greater than we actually are, the Bible says you better be careful because you will fall. And so, and so we're hurt, we're afraid, we're proud, and I love what C.S. Lewis said. He said it in regards to, he said, friendship is born at the moment when one person says to another, what, you two? I thought I was the only one. So over the last probably, well, the, this year, um, I have been discipling a hand, 
group of guys, it's about six guys um, that I've been individually investing in and that have come to me at different points in their life and different struggles in their life. And before I went, probably about a month and a half or so before I went on sabbatical, uh, I was spending time with the Lord and I felt like God told me, these guys don't just need you, they need each other. And so I was like, okay, because I was meeting with these guys each individually, one-on-one, helping them walk through what they were going through. <clears throat> and so I, I put all of these guys in one big text group. It was like six of us. And I put all of them in the text group, and I started the text with this. Guys, I have been discipling you one-on-one. I'm so grateful for the opportunity to pour my life into you but I have known in my own life that I need more than just one person speaking into my life. I need a brotherhood of people in my life that can help me. Here are all the guys that I've been doing this with. I think you guys could really benefit from one another. Let's kick it off by sharing what we're struggling through and a little bit of our story. And man, these guys started sharing, texting in their stories of where they were, and it was amazing how the other guys started realizing like, I'm not the only one. Everything from major marital issues to infidelity, to past drug addictions, to major depression. As these guys started sharing the things that they've come out of and what God has saved them from, it was amazing how it began to forge something within these men. And even to this day, this text group continues to go just this past week, man, how can we pray for you, man? How can we believe for you, man? How can we stand with you? And so when, when one guy falls, guess what? Now he's got a couple of brothers that pick him up. Now he's not just Pastor Josh. He's got a couple of brothers that are picking him up. He's got people that are in his corner. They have people that are going, how many, listen to me, listen to me. We all struggle and we all need people. And you need more than one. You need, you need multiple people that are in your life uh, that can help bring you up. James chapter five, verse 16 says it this way, confess your sins to each other and what else? Pray for each other so that you will be healed. Confess your sins to each other. Well, you go, well, Pastor Josh, that don't make sense. I thought we were supposed to confess to God. I thought we were supposed to, no, 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 no. Listen, we do confess to God for forgiveness, but we confess to other people for healing. This is huge here. I confess it to God for forgiveness and he gives it to me. He's already forgiven me. We bring that before him, but I confess it to other people so that I can get healing in my life, so that I can get prayer in my life because yet again, like I said, this is huge here. To be fully loved, you need to be fully known. To be fully loved, you need to be fully known. Confession to God is for forgiveness. Confession to people is for God to get healed. So that's, that's, that's area one of our life. It's, it's, the, it's the, the mask. And if, if there are some secret places of your life that nobody knows about, you don't gotta tell everybody, but you do need to tell somebody. You need to find some people that you can trust. Find, start with one and just work your way from there and begin to get people in your life that know what's going on. I promise you, it's a game changer. Area number two of our life is what I call the blind spots. The blind spots is the the area where you don't know, but I know. You don't know, but I know. How many of you in here have ever had this happen where you finished dinner and you went out 
and you were doing your thing, and you had something all stuck up in your teeth, and it wasn't until you got home and you looked in the mirror, and that thing was sitting there just greeting everybody as you were just smiling, <laughs> living your best life. Anybody ever had that happen before? Worst of the worst, zipper down. Ever had that one before? I preached a whole message with my zipper down one time. I tore into my wife. I'm like, you let me sit there. She's like, what am I going to do? Like this? I'm like, anything. Just help a brother out. I'll do a prayer break. It doesn't matter. We'll figure it out. We had to crop the video above my belt just to help. There's... Hey, listen, friends don't let friends have broccoli up in their teeth. Friends don't let friends have their zipper down for too long. Friends don't let, y'all, are y'all with me today? There, there are some areas of your life that you have a blind spot to. You don't see it. Everybody else sees it. The worst is, is when you have something that really can take you out like pride or jealousy or bitterness and everybody sees it, but you don't see it. That's dangerous. Because there's nothing worse than you being the only person in the room that doesn't know the pro- there's a problem and the problem's you. But a blind spot is an area that's in our life where we don't know it, but it seems like everybody else knows it. And so Proverbs 27 gives us some, some uh, wisdom on this. It says, faithful are the what? <laughs> Nobody memorizes this scripture. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. You mean that a, a friend can hurt me and it be good? Yes. Because faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. So, um, I don't know about y'all. I don't like go around soliciting feedback from people. Um, And when people do want to come and tell me what they think that I need to change, I I don't know if y'all are like me. It's usually the first reaction is not like, thank you so much for being a, a... object of God's grace into my life. I'm just so grateful for the community effort it takes for me to become more like you. You know, my first thing is like, who do you think that you, you know, anybody? Only me? Okay, y'all, as y'all are polishing your halos, um, I will bear myself before y'all in vulnerability here. I realized it was an area though that I really did need to work on. And so the beginning of this year, um, I was getting some coaching with uh, a guy that's just helping me to be a better pastor, to be a better dad, to be a better husband. And he said, hey, I want to do something. I said, okay, what do you want to do? He says, I want to do something called a 360 review. I said, okay, what does that mean? He says, I want you to pick the top 15 people that you think know you the most, love you the most, respect you, but will be honest. And I'm going to send them a survey about you and they're going to fill it out. (laughs) I was like, okay. Like, what are you going to ask them? Like, what they love about me? He's like, yeah, that's one of them. Well, what else are you going to ask them? Stuff. You'll find out. And so, yeah, he, he did. So he sent this to almost, I think it was 16 people that I had it sent to. Everything from, I had my wife fill it out. I had my oldest son fill it out. I had all of our staff fill it out. I had all of our elders fill it out. I had all of our pastors fill it out. So I got 16 reports back And on this report was what they did like about me, what they did appreciate about me, but also what they did not like about my leadership, what frustrated them about me. Also, the things that they felt like I needed to change. 
Also, if there was one thing you could tell Pastor Josh, but you wouldn't tell him to his face, but he, if he could find out anonymously, let him know. <laughs> Welcome to my world. And so I got this report back. And yeah, I fired all my staff and then, <laughs> I'm kidding, I'm kidding. I'm joking. They were actually in trepidation. They're like, do you really want us? I'm like, yes, be honest, be honest. It was the best thing I've ever done. It was the best thing I ever did. Some people are like, oh, I couldn't imagine ever doing that. I couldn't either until I got it back. Because not only did I get honest critique about how I could lead better from my, my wife, my son, my staff, my pastors, but I also got great encouragement about what they see in me as well. And this verse literally became true. I want you to write this down because this is what I learned in it. If someone is bold enough to tell me the truth in love, it's never an offense, it's always grace. If someone is bold enough to tell me the truth in love, now I put in love for a reason, because some people tell truth and they're just mean. But if someone is willing to come to me in love and tell me the truth, that is never an offense, it's always grace. It's always grace. And listen to me very closely. If someone loves you enough to tell you the truth and they really do love you, they are taking the risk more than you are. Because they've got a way out. Hey, if I bring this to them and they go off on me, I could lose this relationship. And that's why some friendships are never honest because you're more worried about losing the friendship than you are about losing the friend and the person that they're becoming. And so we're never honest with them. A real friend is not afraid to hurt you in the short term to, in order to help you in the long term. And you and I need to be around some people who will love us enough that they see blind spots in our lives that may hurt us in the short term, but ultimately it's going to help us in the long term. I feel like I'm a better husband, I'm a better father, I'm a better boss, I'm a better man of God because I had people who were faithful are the wounds of a friend than the kisses of an enemy. Hebrews 2, uh, chapter 3, verse 12 says this, See to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a, dis a sinful and unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God, but what? Everybody help me. But, let's say it. Let's say it like we mean it. But, encourage one another daily as long as it's called today. So that, and here's why so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. All right, show of hands. If you're online, you can participate in this. How many of you in here have ever wanted to quit? Raise your hand. You wanted to quit. Quit a job. Quit a relationship. Quit a marriage. Quit, yeah, me too, me too. Watch this, watch this. We only quit alone. We only quit alone. Uh, Lindsay and I have made an agreement. We will never want to quit on the same day. <laughs> she's allowed to want to quit sometimes. I'm allowed to quit on sometimes. I just have to ask her, do you want to quit today? And she's like, yes, I do. And they're like, okay, well, I can't. Okay, all right, well, all right. Got to stick it out. Tell me when you don't want to. because 
Like all of us have had moments where we wanted to quit marriage, quit a relationship, quit our job, quit our faith. But I believe that one of the greatest gifts that the body of Christ, the spiritual family of God brings to you and I is this right here, right here. Hey, lean on me when you're not strong. I'll be your, I'll help you. Okay, like why does Paul tell us in Hebrews to encourage one another daily? Watch, because discouragement also comes daily. I'll have an incredible Sunday and come tomorrow morning, Monday morning, the devil's already there waiting for me. Just let me know all the things I didn't do right. Let me know all the things that I... So man, to be around some people that do tell you the truth, but also come around you and encourage you. I mean, not only do you need friends that are calling out the blind spots of sin, you also need the friends who are also calling out the blind spots of who you are that you don't see about who God's called you to be. You need a friend that says, get up, man of God, that is not who you are. The righteous may fall, but he gets up again. He gets up again. I need some friends around me that will call me back into my potential, call me back into the strength that God has for me, call me back into who he's destined for me to be, calls that out of me, and oftentimes we are blinded by the enemy to see things about ourselves that are not true, and God is going, I wanna tell you the truth about who you are. So it's not just a, a sin thing of calling sin out and all that stuff. Oftentimes it's not a calling out, it's a calling up. I don't wanna call out people's sin, I wanna call them up to all that God's called them to be. Are y'all with me? I've been around people who are always calling out sin. I don't like being around those people, but I do love being around people that say, you're better than that. God's called you for that. God has equipped you for that. No, that, is that behavior right? No, but this is what you've been called into. This is the man of God that you are. This is the husband that you're called to be. This is the, the father that you, you need to be. This is, this is it, which leads actually into the third area, and that is potential. Potential is you don't know and I don't know. This is the area of our life where you don't know and I don't know. Only God knows. Only God knows. Uh, Ephesians chapter four, verse 16 says this. He makes the whole, what? Whole body fit together perfectly as each part. So we've got a body, We've got parts, a body and parts, body, parts. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly as each part, body part, is connected to the body and does its own special work. It helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is what? Healthy and, and, and full of love. So I titled today's message, Head, Shoulders, Knees, and Toes, Knees, and Toes. Head, Shoulders, Knees, and Toes, Knees, and Toes. Eyes and ears and mouth and nose. Y'all didn't even know y'all were going to children's church today, okay. So according to the scripture, we know, first off, Christ is the head. He's the head of his church. But a head without a body is dead. 
A body without a head is dead. So a head needs a body, and a body needs a head. Okay, everybody, everybody on the same page? We good? Okay. So this scripture says that when we come into the family of Christ, we are a part of the body. Now, I'm not gonna break down like what part of the body you are. I have no clue. I don't know what part I am. I just know I'm a part. I could be a big toe, an elbow, the hairs in my nose, I don't know. I am a part, you are a part of a body. Okay, so when we're talking about potential, the, the place that you don't know and I don't know, what we do know is that you're a part, I'm a part, and a part together, or a separate, we're not any good. But together, we can make a body. And this body can function in a way that can do incredible things. If you've ever had in your body where there's a part that stops functioning the way it was intended to function, how many know that's pain? That is also crippling you from going on. If I cut this leg off, okay, and just laid it on the ground and went and hobbled around for a year and I came back, I could still function, not to the degree that I really should do, but if I came back and I looked at the leg on the ground, watch this, that leg looks a little different color now because it's what? Dead. And it's rotting. This, and this is huge here because, watch, you can experience your full potential unless you're connected to the head and the body. You cannot experience your full potential unless you're connected to the head and to the body. So you need God and you need spiritual family. And, and so people ask me all the time, listen, Pastor, Pastor, how much should I be involved in church? My answer, to the extent that you want God to work in your life. How much do you want God to work in your life? That's how much you should be involved in his church. And go, well, I don't get it. What are you talking about? Well, I believe that you and I have no right to ask God for help if we are disconnecting ourselves from the one source that he uses to get us the help. And God uses his body to get us the help. God, I just want to grow more in my walk with Christ. Get connected to his church. God, I just want to know you more. Get connected to his church. God, I just want to find out what is your will for my life. Get connected to his church. God, I just want to discover the things that you've called me and go make a difference in this world. And he would say, get connected to his church. God, I just need help with my finances. He would say, get connected to the church. God, I need help in my marriage. He'd say, get connected to the church. Are y'all with me today? And yet we say, no, I'm a DIY guy. I'll YouTube this thing, I'll figure it out. That's what we do, right? I'm a YouTube, I've watched a lot of YouTubes to try to fix things that I don't know. But it's been actually amazing that the things that I don't know, that there are men in this church that know it way better than I do. And I have learned to lower the pride and pick up the phone and go, hey, there's a toilet over here, I don't know, I'm not sure what it's doing, but it ain't going down. And I've actually had men all up in my, I'm not even gonna say it, because we in church. 
but it's because they knew stuff that I didn't know and helped me grow and helped me learn. And now I'm, I can do my own toilet now. But I had to be around some people that could help pull that potential out of me, help teach me, help show me. And so I, I'm just saying to all of us in here and all those that are online, if you want to fully tap into the potential that God has for you, it will not be done outside of his church. It won't. It won't. I need you. You need me. We're one big happy family. Last arena and we're done. Is actually that. The arena. This is the place that you know and I know. You know and I know. You know and I know. First Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 8. Apostle Paul says this. We loved you. So he's writing to the Thessalonica churches and he tells them, hey guys, we loved you so much. Here's how much we loved you. That we, what do we do? We shared with you. We, we loved you so much, we shared with you. Let me show you what we shared with you. We not only shared like a, a good Bible study with you, we not only show, shared you know, our money re- with you, we not only shared our, look, we not only shared God's news with you, we shared our own lives too. Like we're all in, we're all in. We, we shared our lives with one another. Over 50 times in the New Testament, you will get this phrase each other or you will get this phrase together. Over 50 times you see this all throughout scripture. The one another, each other, love one another, pray for one another, encourage, admonish, greet, serve, teach, accept, honor, bear with one another's burdens, forgive each other, submit to each other, devoted to one another. All of these are what I call family responsibilities. We're all in this together. I have three sons that live in my house and I have to remind them very often, we are a family. When there's something on the floor, we all pick it up. When trash needs to be picked up, we all can take it. That's not mom, that's not dad, that's, that's all of us. All of us get a play, all of us get a part. All of us have to do this. All of us have to be encouraging to one another, building up of one another. This is all of our roles. Hey, listen, this ain't my church. This is God's church and our church. This is our church. Jesus says, I love my church and the gates of hell will not stop it. The gates of hell will not push back against it. This is what God's called us to do. So if you claim to be a part of God's family, ready, here's my question. What of those others are you doing? And who are you doing it with? That is so huge here. Well, it's just me and Jesus. No, no. God's called you to do this with others. Why? Because, Because they need you and you need them. Now, I'll end with this. I think one of the troubling things that I saw last year with COVID and everything that happened was that it isolated us. It just isolated people. They were just, everybody was just kind of in their own thing. And and now we're, you know, slowly trying to get back together and do things. But I I know it's isolated people. And, And isolation always brings depression. It always brings depression. The CDC report in 2020 was that one out of every four people under the age of 30 
considered suicide. One out of every four, under 30, considered suicide last year. One out of every 10 that were older than 30 considered suicide last year. In October of 2020, in Japan, more people committed suicide than died of COVID the whole year. In the month of October only, more people committed suicide than died of COVID that whole year. People right now are on more depression and anxiety medication than ever before. But doctors and psychologists are now coming out with more and more studies and they're realizing what Jesus has always said, by the way, that medication is not the one all be all fix for this. This is what doctors and psychologists who are secular are saying, that the greatest antidote to depression is people. People. And then it reminds me of Proverbs that says, a merry heart is good like medicine. A cheerful heart is good like medicine. Everybody longs to be known and needed. Known and needed. I wanna be known, I wanna be needed. So I'm gonna give you two action steps today and then we're done. Two things I want to strongly encourage you to do. This is how we can help you be known and needed. Number one, get in a group. Get in a group. We have life groups for this exact reason, for you to be known. We have two services. We have over 500 people that are showing up every weekend. But you need to be in a group because you can be in a large group and still not be known. But if you wanna be known, you gotta get around some people. You gotta get connected to some people. That way when you go in the hospital, people know. When you're struggling in an area of life, people know. When you have sickness, people know. Like you need to be known. And this is one of the ways that we help you be known. Just get in a group, get in a group, get in a group, get in a group. Number two is everybody wants to be needed. So I wanna challenge you to get on a team. Get on a team. We call it the dream team around here. There's so many ways for you to get plugged in, for you to be needed, for you to use your gifts, to be a blessing, to help other people. Get in a group, get on a team, get in a group, get on a team. Oh, I'm afraid. Oh, I've been hurt. Oh, I don't, I, man, I don't, I'm just not, that's not my thing. Then you will disconnect yourself from the one thing that God wants to give you, to give you the encouragement, the hope, and the strength that you so long for. Get in a group, get on a team. You go, well, how do I do all that? Today's the perfect day. We have Next Step kicking off at 12.30 today. 12.30. It is right now 10.26 in two hours. Go home, do what you gotta do, and come right back at 12.30. And we will spend an hour and a half walking you through how do you can be known and how you can use your gifts, how you can be a part. We'd love to have you be a part of this. Do it, do it, just do it, I promise you. I, and I, I, I end with 
this statement I say all the time, and so many of you have taken us up on this, and that is give us a year. Like go all in, go all in for one year, just say yes. Say yes to get in a group, say yes to join a team, say yes to get in, in relationships, just, just say yes and give us a year. Just go all in, show up on Sundays when you're in town, just, just go all in, just say yes. And at the end of the year, let's talk. Let's talk, because I'm telling you, your life can radically change. And anybody who's taken that one year challenge can say amen, amen to that. I promise you right now, I, I, I don't want something from you. Listen to me, I don't want something from you. I want something for you. I want something for you. I don't need anything from you. Our church is doing fine, but it would do better if you were using your gifts and your talents. I can't imagine what we could do if you were to get plugged in and go, I'm all in, I'm all in. And it just, it just amazes me at what we can do as a church when people go all in. So would you just bow your heads across this room and I wanna pray over us. Father, we love you. God, we just thank you, Lord, for, for your church that you're building. We understand that the, the strategies of the enemy is to keep us isolated, to keep us disconnected, whether that's been because of pain, whether that's been because of our past, whether that's been because of lies that we believed. But today, we believe the truth, that we are loved, that we are forgiven. God, that we, we have been given all that we need for what you've called us to live. And so, God, help us to plant into your church. Your word says that those who are planted in the house will flourish. And so I pray that this would be the most flourishing time of these people's lives that are in this room. Those that are not planted, that they would get planted. Those that are planted would just drive their roots deeper and deeper and deeper into you. And God, I, I just pray right now, Lord, that you would use this church for your glory. Use your people for your glory. Those who are in, the, in this place that, that have a mask, that there's things that they know, but no one else knows. God, I, I pray that you would give them the courage to, to begin to pull that off and to begin to invest and get into right relationships that can help. And God, I, I thank you, Lord, for freedom that you wanna give your people. Lord, the liberty, the joy, and the peace that you wanna give them. We pray all this in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen, amen. Come on, we love you. That's awesome, 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 awesome.